day, blue jays chitter-chattered in the pines. High above the treetops, cirrus clouds wisp across a slate-blue sky. Mr. Norwood Reinhard Beauregard Boyd lay unbreathing on a feather mattress surrounded by a carved rosewood bed frame with a high headboard that he had bought in Madagascar on his travels many years ago before he closed himself up in his house with his treasures. All night long, the June bugs had tapped, tapped, tapped against the glass panes at the open bedroom window, trying to buzz into Mr. Norwood Boyd's room and touch the lamplight. As the light came into the day, the hard-shelled little insects fell into an opening between the glass and the screen, where they hummed together at the bottom of the window in soft confusion. Outside, deep in the tall weeds, a garter snake slithered in search of mice. It was June 17th, a Thursday. Mr. Norwood Boy died a quiet death attended by sky, clouds, crickets, birds, bugs, snakes, and one human being, House Jackson. House Jackson, age 12, crackerjack baseball pitcher, obedient son, and keeper of his own counsel, had arrived just before the simmering time. He eased himself gingerly into a ladder back chair next to the carved bed. He held his breath as he watched Mr. Norwood Boyd breathe and stare at the ceiling in a faraway silence. Instinctively, for it had been his habit, he reached for the book on the bedside table, Treasure Island. He opened it to the page that had been saved with a ribboned bookmark and read out loud in a mechanical voice. Still, silver was not conquered. I could hear his teeth rattle in his head, but he had not yet surrendered. At that moment, Mr. Norwood Boyd surrendered. He closed his eyes and opened his mouth. A rattling sound came from his throat. The smell of Mr. Norwood's rattled breath made House blink and sit back in his folding chair. That breath, the sound of it, and the smell of it traveled the entire room, spangling the air like a salute, as if that breath was a last farewell to the big old bed a last farewell to the lighted lamp, a last farewell to the rose-patterned carpet, to the bureau where the clothes were kept, to the bedside table where water shimmered in the glass, and to House, who had been faithful. When there was no more rattle and no more breath, House did as he had been instructed to do. He called Doc McGree's office from the big black telephone beside Mr. Norwood Boyd's bed. His fingers trembled as he dialed, and his voice cracked as he tried to speak. Mr. Norwood Boyd? He was out of breath. Who is this? asked a cranky voice, Miss Betty Ramsey, the doctor's answering service. He's dead. House felt the truth tingle across his shoulders, up his neck, through his scalp. He reached under his baseball cap and gave his head a small scratch. Is this a joke? Miss Betty did not like jokes. 
No, ma'am, House whispered. His pale cheeks were on fire. He could practically hear his freckles sizzle. Miss Betty's voice was high and nasal. Is that you, Clebo Wilson, you scoundrel? I'm calling your mama right now. She will whip you good. This is not funny. House couldn't think of one useful thing to say. Miss Betty waited. Hello? House put the telephone receiver back in its cradle as quietly as he could, as if he were handling a sleeping baby. Miss Betty's voice squeaked. Who's there? Who's... And then it was gone. House licked his lips and stared at Mr. Norwood Boyd. He had half a mind to touch him, but he didn't. His mother had died at home six years ago, and he had wanted to touch her too, but he hadn't. He thought about that moment now. Of how